I stared into the fire. Mum and Dad have a house full over Christmas, I said. They'll expect me to be there. I'll see David some other time. The silence was heavy with her disapproval, and she let out an audible sigh. Surely you could... she began. A log slipped, and she jumped up to push it back into the grate. The tension broke, and I got up and wandered to the window. It was a big, high-ceilinged room filled with solid old furniture, a roll-armed couch in grey and crimson moquette, matching chairs, a broad oak sideboard stocked with bottles and glasses, an upright desk. The carpet was littered with toys, but the mess was superficial. Joan ran a tight ship. A husband, two small children, four lodgers, and various casual visitors. There was always room, always food, always a welcome, as long as you stuck to Joan's rules. I looked down into the street through the fine drizzle. It was almost dark. Any moment now the street lights would come on. Jock had come back and was getting the children out of their coats and boots. Downstairs the street door opened and closed, and there was the sound of footsteps on the stairs. I turned around, and you were there. In that moment, everything froze. I put my hand on the back of the couch to steady myself. I wonder if you remember that moment, Carl. If I could ask you now, do you remember the day we met? Would you scratch your head and rummage through your memories? Would you look away in embarrassment and say, Now let me think. Or would you take my hand, look into my eyes and say, Yes, I remember it well. You were wearing a brown sweater over a cream shirt that was open at the neck, and when you looked at me, I saw the little hollow at the base of your throat tense and contract, as though you were trying to speak. Your eyes held mine, and I wanted to surrender to their signal of desire. How would it be if we were to meet now? I wonder what you look like today. I imagine that I get on a plane, and clutching my boarding pass, struggle along the crowded aisle to my seat, and as I fasten my belt and kick off my shoes, I strike up a conversation with the man in the seat beside me. Knowing that we have to spend some time in each other's company, we exchange first names, and hearing that subtle accent, I ask where he comes from. He tells me his name, and that he is German and I tell him that I was once in love with a German, who was also called Karl. I tell him that I fell in love at first sight, that we had only a few months together, and that I have never really understood why it ended. He played the piano to me, I say. I can still see his hands on the keys, and his eyes watching me. Blue eyes, just like... And I stop and look down at the hand resting on the arm of the seat between us, and I know that I have found you again. Dreams. Perhaps you are still on the other side of the world, or perhaps you are close by. Perhaps we have already travelled on the same flight, past each other in a street somewhere drawn up side by side at traffic lights, without even knowing we were so close. I expected to spend the rest of my life with you,
Instead, I have spent it wondering why it didn't all work out the way we planned. When you walked into the flat that day, it was almost time for me to leave. Joan had invited me to stay the night, but I'd declined. Now I wanted to stay, but it was too late. The reason would have been too obvious. They were getting ready to take me to the station. Jock searching for his car keys, Joan persuading your roommate to stay with the children. I went to the hall to get my coat. As I passed you, my legs felt weak, and I wanted to put my hand up to touch your face. You followed me through the door. I think I'll come too, you said. I need some air. Some air? in Jock's mini-clubman, with the windows closed and misted with condensation. You were too tall for the back seat of a mini, and you sat at an angle to make room for your legs.